0: Do you pray? Almost everybody does. Almost everybody does, whether they're sitting in a church this morning or not. Even deliberately non-religious people pray at times. Studies have shown that in secularized country, prayer continues to be practiced, not only by those who have no religious preference, but by even those who say there's no God. One study found that nearly 30% of atheists admitted that they prayed sometimes. Another found that 17% of non-believers in God pray regularly. The frequency of prayer increases with age. I'll let you speculate to why that is. But even among those who do not return to church or identify with any institutional faith, they say they pray one Italian scholar, Giuseppe Giordano, summarized it this way. He said, in virtually all studies of sociology, of religious behavior, it's clearly apparent that a very high percentage of people declare they pray every day, and many say even many times a day. Doesn't mean that everyone does pray. There are many atheists who rightly get offended when you say there are no atheists in foxholes There are many people who do not pray even in times of extreme danger. Still, though, prayer is a global reality. (laughs) Even when sociologists will go to a country that has not been reached by the outside world almost in any way, they will find people who pray, who are trying to make some connection with the divine outside of themselves. Prayer is a reality. People pray. You pray. I pray. People you know pray. People you know that won't even go to church or you don't even think, maybe you think are the farthest from God, many of them pray. Another question, though, does prayer work for you? Now, that's a loaded question, figuring out what that means, but does prayer work for you? Do sometimes you feel like you pray and nothing happens? Maybe you feel like This story I read about this man who went to the uh, Western Wall in Jerusalem every day to pray. And there's a picture of the Western Wall, if you're not familiar with it. Those bottom stones are the last remaining stones from the temple that was there. And so it's become a very holy and sacred place to pray. What you can't see in that picture, but you can see if you go there, are the little cracks in the wall where people stick little pieces of Paper and prayers that they pray there. But uh, there was a story of this man that went there every day to pray twice a day for 50 years. And a woman journalist for CNN had heard about it. And she thought, well, I've got to see if this is true. And if it's true, I want to meet a man who will go and pray like that. And so she watches, she went to Jerusalem, she went to the holy site, she watches the old man at prayer. And he prayed for about 45 minutes, and then he turns to leave. She approaches him for an interview. She says, I'm Rebecca Smith from CNN. Sir, how long have you been coming to the Wailing Wall praying? And he says, for about 50 years. That's amazing. What do you pray for, she asks. And he says, I pray for peace between the Jews and the Arabs. I pray for all the hatred to stop. And I pray for all our children to grow up in safety and friendship. And how do you feel, sir, after doing this for 50 years? And his response was, like I'm talking to a brick wall. <laughs> a little bit of tongue-in-cheek, but true reality there at some times. That sometimes maybe you feel like that. Maybe you have prayed something for years and brought it to God, and you feel like, I don't even know if God's hearing me. I'm not sure if God's hearing my prayers. I'm not sure anything is happening here. Maybe you feel like you've tried prayer, but it's not working. How can you pray in such a way that leads you into a deeper relationship with God, and even lead you to a place where you're rewarded by God? That's what I want to talk about this morning. We're talking about this series at the beginning of the year, the greatest thing you can do. A lot of us, when we come to a new year, a new start, we think about things we want to make some changes in our lives. We said that over the last, we said over the last couple of weeks that we believe the most important things you can do in 2017 are the things that nobody will see. The things that nobody will see, the things you do in your private place are the most important things you can do in 2017 these are the things that only God sees, and there are thing, these are the things that support the stuff that everyone else sees. If you want to be the person that God wants you to be, you need to focus not on the stuff that everyone sees, but on the stuff that only God sees. We've expressed this in a little equation that goes like this. Depth in your spiritual walk equals devotion over time minus the spotlights. The way you will grow deeper in your walk with God is by your continued devotion to him. And we've been talking about what that devotion looks like. Last week it was scripture. This week we'll talk about prayer. You devote, that devotion is over time. That is, you keep doing it consistently. This becomes a part of your life. This becomes a part of the person you are and the way that you live. Minus the spotlight, meaning you don't do it in front of people, but in a place that only God sees it. And this is how we grow deeper in our walk with the Lord. So I want this morning to talk to you about another of those devotions that needs to take place over time in order for you to grow in your walk with God, and that's prayer. Now, I know when I say prayer, there are a few people who get very excited. The pastor's finally talking about prayer. But I also know, these, those are the people that show up at prayer meetings, and I also know because I was at the men's prayer meeting yesterday morning at 6 o'clock, that that's not most of us. That most of us, when I talk about prayer, don't get maybe that excited, and it's maybe a difficult topic for us. For many of you, when I say the word prayer, it's something akin to flossing your teeth. You know it's good for you to do, but still it's hard, and you don't always do it. It may be that prayer... And the we, way we pray, we're making it more difficult than Jesus intended it to be. So let's see what Jesus had to say about prayer. I want to take a look at a passage this morning where Jesus talks about prayer. And in this passage, Jesus gives some do's and some don'ts when it comes to prayer. And they might surprise you. Let's look at it. Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to read verses 5 through 15. Jesus talking about prayer, the do's and the don'ts of prayer. Who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. What stands out to me in this passage is that there is a prayer that God rewards. There is a way to pray that will lead you into a deeper relationship with God. Now Jesus isn't saying that this is the only way to pray or the only way God rewards, but he says when you pray, this is the way that God rewards. And there is a way to pray that God rewards. And so We're going to talk about that this morning, the way, the prayer that God rewards. But let me first talk about the don'ts of prayer. Let me first talk about the don'ts, what Jesus says in here as the don'ts of prayer. He says this, he says, don't be like the hypocrites who pray in the streets and the synagogues where they may be seen by others. Don't heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. And I read those, and I ask you this question, are these not the easiest don'ts in all the Bible? Some of you maybe hear these, and you say, oh, okay, don't pray on the street corner in public, and don't use a lot of words, no problem. These are the easiest don'ts in all of Scripture. I am set. I will not go pray on street corners, and I will not use a lot of words in prayer. Jesus, I can follow this one. Some of us would read this pastor We say, that's not even a temptation for me. I have never in my life been tempted to go out on the corner, maybe of Lexington Street or Cambridge Street, and just say a prayer out loud to whoever's passing by. So I'm okay. I'm good on this one. And when it comes to many words, I don't even know what to say. I don't even have the first words to start with. So this is no problem. These may be seen as the easiest don'ts in Scripture, but maybe there's a little more to it than that. Let's look at it a little bit more in depth. In these verses, Jesus gives us a model for prayer that is at least three things. And if we do these things, we can be sure that God hears our prayer. So he has some don'ts. And maybe you struggle with them or maybe you don't. He has some do's. Let's talk about this. I'm gonna talk about three, quickly, three things that have to be characteristic of the prayer that God rewards. The prayer that God rewards, there are three S's, so they'll be easy for you to remember. Uh, This morning it works out well. But three S's that when it comes to prayer, the prayer that God rewards is first of all, secret. Jesus says in this passage. prayer that God rewards is secret. He says, go into your room and shut the door. It's not just, it's not even, he doesn't even start with just go into your house. Because in your house, there's other people, right? And there's other, there's other people that are there. He says, do, go one better, not just shield yourself from the public, but then even when you're in your house and there's people that are in the house, go into your own room, a, a closet may be implied here, and then shut the door behind you. In other words, no one sees. Go to the place that is completely unseen and only seen by the one who is unseen. Go into that place that's very private go into that place where you are alone with God and that you are making an intentional effort to pray. Maybe you're not tempted to go pridefully pray in front of people on a street corner, but maybe you are tempted to not pray in this way, which is a secret quiet place. Maybe you're tempted to only pray the shotgun prayers on the go, send a quick one up to God before you go and do something that's difficult or you need an answer, but you never get in that secret quiet place with God. Jesus is saying the prayer that God rewards is a prayer that's played in that secret quiet place where nobody sees, where you have gone to be alone with God. Jesus modeled this for us many times in the gospels. We have the words like Luke 5:16, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places to pray. How often do you withdraw to lonely places to pray? Jesus says, this is, this is how you should pray. If you want a prayer, the prayer that God rewards, then pray it in secret. Don't pray it out in front of people. The reason to pray in secret is because public prayers for public attention receive their reward from the public. But private, secret prayers, the only rewarder is God, and it's better to be rewarded by your heavenly Father in secret than by people in public. It's as if Jesus is saying that no prayer goes unrewarded. And when you pray in secret with no one watching, then the only one who sees it is the one who rewards you in secret, and that's God. Jesus is not saying you can never pray publicly. He'll do it himself later in the Gospels. He'll pray in front of thousands before he feeds them. 4,000, 5,000, when he feeds them, he'll pray before them. He'll pray before his disciples we would have no record of Jesus's high prayer in John 17 if he didn't tell his disciples about it or at least they weren't there to witness it. So there were times when Jesus prayed and others were present but it wasn't for the sake of others that he prayed or that they would, he would receive their praise and applause. So Jesus is saying to be sure the prayer that God rewards is the secret prayer, the one prayed in private that no one else sees. You say, well, I'm not praying in public so this is no problem for me not praying on the street corners, drawing attention to myself. I don't even like praying in church. You know, this isn't a problem. Most people, in fact, when they talk about the fears that most people have, you know what the top two fears are? Speaking in public and dying. You know which one's first? Speaking in public. Which means if you go to a funeral, most people want to be the person in the casket rather than the person on the stage. The biggest fears people have are speaking in public and dying. But people don't, so many people say, no problem. Don't worry about me. I'm not, I'm not going to be accused of praying in public so that people can see. But I ask you this question because maybe in our culture, there's a way we still violate this principle. Do you post more on Facebook prayers or say you are praying for someone on Facebook or through a group text, than you actually do spend time praying for people. Because as I thought about it, I thought maybe that's the modern day equivalent in our day. When we would spend more time actually telling people, yeah, I'll be praying for you. Send a text, I'll be praying for you. Put it on Facebook, I'm praying for you. But you're not. But you're not sometimes we maybe fall into the same trap of looking like we're praying so that people will notice. But the prayer that God rewards is the prayer that you pray in that secret place. So the first prayer that God rewards is the secret prayer. God rewards the prayer that's prayed in secret. But it's not only in secret. The second S is it's simple. 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 In his book, Peter Kreeft writes, uh, his book, Prayer for Beginners, he writes this. Prayer is easier than we think. We want to think it's too hard or too high and holy for us because that gives us an excuse for not doing it. This is false humility. We can all do it, even the most sinful, shallow, silly, and stupid of us. You do not have to master some mystical method. You do not have to master a method at all. Can you talk to a friend? then you can talk to God, for he is your friend. And that is what prayer is. The single most important piece of advice about prayer is one word, begin. God makes it easy, just do it. The prayer that God hears is not only in secret, it's also simple. Jesus says, don't heap up empty phrases in your prayer time. And don't go on babbling like the pagans around you. Don't go on, and what they would do is they would say the same word or phrase over and over and over again just to try and get God's attention or thinking that if they did it, the more often they did it, the more God would hear. He said, Jesus, stop that. Don't do that. God already knows what you're going to ask for before you even ask it, so you don't need to do that. Your prayers should be simple. They don't have to be complicated. You don't have to have certain flowery language or theological terms. Talk to God. This simple way, we pray. Jesus says, in a way that is not like the people around us. We should pray in the way uh, that God hears us—the God who already knows what we need even before we ask for it. That we're talking to. Let's not make the mistake that we need to try and convince God of our needs, or God will hear us because of our many words. Jesus says, "You don't. It's not the many words that God hears." There are many of those in our world that would say you uh, have to that uh, you have to use certain phrases in order for God to hear you, or know certain things in order to be heard by God. And it's not true. God's desires often is for a simple, the simplest prayer. If you look at the prayers that Jesus responded to in the Gospels, it was often very simple. Lord, heal me. You know, it wasn't complicated with simple prayers that God responds to. Can you use those theological terms and all that other stuff and the wonderful mind and imagination that God has given you? Of course you can, but don't think that's what you need to do to make God hear you. That's not what Jesus is saying here. Ecclesiastes 5, 2, and 3 says, God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. Don't imitate the culture around us and how they pray. Pray in the way that God has given you, the voice God has given you, the words God has given you, the vocabulary God has given you. Pray and talk to him in the way that uh, he has given you. It doesn't have to be complicated. In fact, it's quite simple. So the prayer God rewards is secret, and it's simple. The third S is this. It's sincere. Sincere. The prayer that God rewards is sincere. This passage starts in verse 5. Don't be like the hypocrites. Be sincere when you come to God. Be sincere in your prayers. Do not pray to be impressive or to try and impress others or try and impress God. We can make the mistake of thinking that if we're going to pray out loud in front of others, that our words need to be impressive and perfect. Not true, they need to be sincere. When we go into that secret place and pray those simple prayers, they also need to be sincere. They need to be sincere prayers that we are praying. The problem in Jesus' day was vain repetition and flowery language. Maybe in our day it's similar That sometimes you hear someone pray and you're like, oh, that's the way I have to pray. I have to, that's the prayer that God, God probably hears their prayer. You know, if I will pray like their prayer, no. You pray with a sincere heart, those simple prayers that God has given to you and God hears them. Sincere. I go back to that Facebook illustration or texting or whatever medium you might use to tell people I'm praying for you. I think we far too easily put those words out there. It happens in our culture all the time, maybe less and less lately, but it happens in our culture all the time. How many times have you been watching a news broadcast? And, And the news anchor will say, our thoughts and prayers are with you. And maybe they are. You know, our thoughts and prayers are with Orlando. Our thoughts and prayers are with New York City. Our thoughts and prayers are with the people in the latest disaster, wherever it may be. And maybe, I can't judge them. I don't, certainly don't know them. Maybe they are. Maybe they're taking the time to actually pray for them. But I just, I have a hard time believing that after the newscast is over, all the news anchors are gathered around in a circle praying for the events that they just reported on. I'm just guessing that probably isn't the case They've rather just used this phrase of thoughts and prayers because they needed some kind of bridge between this horrible tragedy they just reported on and the cute picture of a dog they're about to show or the weather forecast or whatever it is. And so they transition with some show of empathy by saying our thoughts and prayers are with you. This is the culture around us. Don't pray like the pagans and the Gentiles of the culture around you. I wonder if we are tempted at times to just quickly throw around those phrases too. Ah, prayers are with you. I'm praying for you. Or we say we're praying for you because we don't know who the we is and hopefully somebody's praying for them and we'll just be part of that we. (laughs) We far too easily throw that out there. We can fall into the trap of being like the culture around us being insincere in what we say. What good is it to just think about someone? They don't even say, some of them have gotten, I noticed in the news, and you pick up on these nuances when you're looking for them. Some of them have gotten a little more uh, genuine because they won't say thoughts and prayers anymore because they realize they don't pray. So some of them just say, our thoughts are with you. I don't even know what that means. Our thoughts are with you. Thinking about you. Um, But what good is it just to think about someone? But what good is it to say you're praying for someone and not actually do it? What good is just being empathetic when you can reach out to the God who can actually change things? When you say, I'm praying, wouldn't it be better just to actually pray? I mean, if you're gonna say it, you might as well at least do it. But you're better off just doing it without even saying it. But we continue. I mean, you've done it. I've done it. Say, I'm praying for you, and then you don't pray for that person. Why? Why do we do that? Why would we say, I'm praying for you, and then not actually pray for the person? Why do we do that? Because on some level, we're more concerned that the person thinks we're praying for them than we are about actually praying for them. And your prayer is going to be sincere not like the hypocrites. You and I are to be the type of people who actually would pray for people. We should pray, not just, not just say we're praying, looking for approval. And I'm not trying to barrage us this morning on something that I know is something we don't, many of us do, not intentionally. We don't intentionally say we're going to pray and then don't do it. But I am asking us as a church and as a people that we should at least reflect upon this. That wouldn't it be better to actually pray for someone before we say we're praying for them? Or to even actually pray for someone, even if we don't say and let them know we're praying for them? Actually, if we're going to line up with Matthew chapter 6 this morning, Jesus might say that would be the better thing. Say your pray. I mean, pray for them and don't even tell them. And you know what? It's okay. And you know what? Maybe it's even better. Because the prayer that God rewards is the one that's in secret and simple and sincere. And so maybe it's even better if we're actually praying. But then you don't get the credit Then people don't know you're praying for them. Yep, exactly. Because they have received their reward in public, others. But the one who prays in secret is rewarded by the one who lives in secret, the unseen God who's in that secret place. The first week of this series, uh, Justin, when he preached here, said uh, that uh, these things that we do that no one else sees will do three things for us. They will help us in our relationship, they will bring refinement, and they will bring renewal. And prayer is like that. Why should you pray? Because when you pray and when you come into God's presence, it builds your relationship with God. It builds my relationship with God. It builds our, uh, our knowing of Him and, and how we understand Him. It brings refinement to our lives because when I pray and I approach God, it reminds me who He is and who I am. And I come into His presence and I pray things like, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be Your name. And it reminds me who God is. And that also reminds me who I am. It refines me. It brings renewal. Those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. Those times of waiting on God renew our strength. And so we need this equation that we said at the beginning. Our spiritual depth is equal to our devotion over time minus the spotlight. So this morning, specifically, our spiritual depth is is equal to our time in prayer over time minus the spotlight. And so if you want to grow deeper in the Lord, you don't need the latest book that's on the shelf at Barnes & Noble to do that. What you need is time in prayer with God over time minus the spotlight, the secret, the simple, and the sincere prayer with God, and we grow in our depth and we grow in our relationship with God. So it's the secret plus the simple plus the sincere equals significant. Jesus is saying when you pray this way, Simple prayers, secret prayers, sincere prayers. They end up being significant prayers because Jesus said that's the prayer that God rewards. Those are the prayers that God rewards. We don't always know. Jesus isn't clear on what that reward is. Doesn't say he's always gonna answer it the way you want him to answer it. That's not what he says. He just says this is the prayer God rewards. So I I can't tell you exactly what that reward is. I can just tell you that if it's from God, it's good. And I'd rather my reward from God in secret than people in public. It's better to be rewarded by the God who sees in secret than people who see in public. And then Jesus offers us an example of how to pray. He gives us the Lord's Prayer, familiar to us in many ways. He gives us this example of how to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So if you look at these eight lines, you're halfway in before you get to the first request. Now, I don't know that Jesus was giving us a matter of percentages and things, but I do think it's important that at the first part of this prayer, there's ample time spent on who God is and acknowledging him And recognizing his kingdom is important. His will is important. And then I can get to the part where I can ask for my daily bread. And I do think it's significant. When you come to this, it definitely brings refinement because I come to this prayer and I say, oh yeah, God, your kingdom come, your will be done. Because I am very tempted to come into the prayer time and say, God, my kingdom come, my will be done. But that's not how Jesus taught us to pray. That's how the world around us would teach us to pray. Pray for those things that are for you. Pray for those things that are, will, will get you ahead. Pray for those things that are good for you and your family. But Jesus says, no, no, no. Pray like this. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The Lord's prayer, Jesus instructs us to acknowledge God, to pray for his kingdom and his will to be done. And then he gets to ask for daily provision. And you look at these four requests right down the bottom. Give. Give. today our daily bread. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead me, God, not into temptation. Deliver me from the evil one. Those four things, I guess I'd ask, do you really need anything else? There's a lot of other things we may want and need, but if I get these four things from God every day, do I really need anything else? God, would you today give me my daily bread? Would you provide for the sustenance of my body and my physical needs today? Lord, would you forgive me? Because if, if I've got forgiveness from you and I've got salvation from you, Lord, would you forgive me? because I don't really need much more than that. And God, today as I walk in the day that you have given me, would you, Lord, lead me not into temptation? Would you lead me on your paths? Would you lead me in righteousness? Lead me not into temptation because I am a fallen, frail person who is tempted to walk and to stray, prone to wander. Lord, lead me not into temptation. And God, would you deliver me from the one who is the enemy of my soul and would want to trip me up today? If I have these four things, do I really need much more? So Jesus says, this is how you pray. Simple, sincere, and in the secret place. And these are the prayers that God rewards. Are you taking time to pray prayers that God rewards? Are you setting aside time in your life to get alone, close the door, and pray. Simple, secret, sincere prayers. Because the unseen God rewards the unseen prayers. It's true for you and it's true for me that the unseen God is the one who rewards the unseen prayers. The prayer God rewards is secret, simple, and sincere And this is the way that God has called us to pray. Let me close with a metaphor, an illustration that may help us to understand the importance of prayer and how we pray and the consistency that's needed in prayer. Have you ever maybe driven down into Boston and you're riding along Route 2 or uh, one of these other roads that they had to, in order to make it and form it, they had to go through some, some bedrock in order to get down to a place to, where the road would work. And sometimes if you're driving along those roads and you look beside you, you see the, the, the height of the stone that they, had to, that they had to cut through, that they had to get through in order to form the road. And I remember when I was a kid driving by these and seeing these kind of cylindrical, half cylindrical marks in the stone going from the top to the bottom. And you'd see them in a pattern. You know they didn't get there naturally, but I didn't know at first, you know, when I was a young kid what they were. And then later you learn what they were is where they had to bore the holes through the rock in order to drop in the charges and the dynamite or whatever explosive they're using in order to blow that rock apart in order to form the road. And you think about that process, what it must have taken. I mean, we've got some pretty remarkable technology and tools now, but many times back then they, they didn't. And even now it's hard, right? When you, if you have to do the work of uh, seeing, first of all, as a road that's not there yet, and then understanding where the cut needs to be made, and then you have to take your equipment and bore down into the rock, which is a timely process... I mean, how many drill bits are broken and dulled, times you hit harder rock, and times when it's more difficult, and yet you have to do it. Why not just throw the dynamite on top of the rock, light the fuse, and let it blow? Because it'll create a scene, but it won't make much of a difference. Sometimes our prayers maybe are like that. They create a scene, but they don't make much of a difference. Because the real work of prayer is not very glamorous, and most people don't see it. It's the time it takes to bore down into that rock, time and time and time and time and time again. Drop those charges down in the correct depth, in the correct way. Wire them up perfectly the way they're supposed to be. And then, and only then, someone gets to push the button or do whatever they do, connect the wires. I don't know what they have to do in order to make it happen. But something happens, sends a a charge down to that dynamite, and boom, you see what happens, and there's an incredible change that is made. And many times when it comes to prayer, we just want to be the one that presses the button. We just want to be the one at the end of the line of hard work that sees something happen. But Jesus is saying the prayer that God rewards is that secret. secret, it's simple, it's sincere. It's often done when nobody sees it. And so you and I, as we go into a new year, I believe one of the best things you can do is set aside time in prayer with God. As we close out our service this morning, I'd ask you, this is is one of those interesting messages that it's interesting to close, right? Because I'm not going to ask you all to come forward before everyone and pray. That would be antithetical to the entire message I just (laughs) preached, right? I'm going to ask you to stand and I'm going to ask you to do this. As we worship and sing and close out our service, I'm going to ask you to Take a time to reflect on your prayer life, on your closet. Maybe you have one, maybe you don't. To think about where it is that you can get alone with God. Picture that place even in your mind. Maybe you've done it many times before or maybe you never have, but in your mind, find a place where in 2017 you will be able to go and it be a regular time where you can pray secret, simple, sincere prayers. Maybe it's in your workplace because you get there before everyone else. Maybe it's in your home. Maybe it's someplace else. Maybe it's on a walk. I don't know. But find that place and think about that place where this year will be the place where you will pray simple, secret, and sincere prayers. And then in your heart, I'd ask you, What's the commitment you can make to prayer this year in 2017? Maybe you would say, you know what? I want to consistently pray 10 minutes a day. Just 10 minutes a day. Maybe I want to, I I because for some of us, that maybe that, that, that's a huge commitment because you're not doing it at all. And for others of you, that would be like, oh, I'd go down to 10 minutes a day. Everyone's at different places. But if you prayed and you took 10 minutes out of every... Think of all the things you do for 10 minutes a day. Maybe it's 20 or maybe it's 30. But if you said, look, there's that place. And every day, I'm gonna get alone with God in that secret place. And I am gonna pray simple and sincere prayers to my heavenly Father. So I'd ask you as we sing and as we worship that you just reflect, find that place, And between you and God, make that commitment for this year for where you would be in prayer. And actually, even as we talk about the year, give us this day our daily bread. I'm really asking you just to make the commitment for today. And then if God gives you tomorrow, that you would have that commitment tomorrow. God, I'll spend time with you in prayer today because you've given me this day. One day at a time to be able to commit to spend time with God. Secret, simply, sincere. Father, Lord, would you help us to be a people who are committed to spending time in your presence? Help us to find those secret places. And Lord, I do ask, lead us not into temptation. Many of us are tempted to use prayer or even the idea that we are praying as a way to impress other people or get people to think about us in a way we want them to think about us. God, would you, not, would you allow us not to give in to that temptation? Father, To not look to impress people, not look for the likes on Facebook, but Lord, to be most concerned about getting that like from you, most concerned about the unseen God, who rewards unseen prayers. Thank you, Lord.